0: this is the coolest show brought to you by hip-hop caucuses think 100
1: it's the coolest show you know keep the culture connected it's the coolest show you know in your ear yeah respect the expert level information entertainment education rev here we got you covered as you hit your destination climate rules everything around me cream for those who lost smoke Close your eyes and just dream. open your third eye now the world is your off coolest coolest show you know it's The Hip Hop call
0: Everyone, this is Rev Yearwood, and welcome to The Coolest Show. I'm here, as many of you know, we, we, we actually had uh, Honorable Shalanda Baker on, and we were in the studio, and we were gonna do this again, um, but my next guest couldn't do that for very good reasons, because he is about to be a father, and I welcome him, Jai Hee Watt. Jai how you doing
1: today? I'm doing very well, Rev. Thanks for having um having me on. Uh this is really exciting. Again, apologies. Uh couldn't be in person, but explaining. No, no, no. To, listen, to listen, listen. Well.
0: When you, you you are doing an important thing. You are increasing us on this planet. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's a that's an yes. important thing. And so is is this your first child or is this your This is my second child. Um second. my first
1: child, the second, um our, our first child came five days before this administration started. And so he's been riding along with us through this entire this entire chapter. And um and uh, we're really blessed to have a second one on the way.
0: God willing. Oh that's, so that means that their first one is like two and a half, two?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Two years and uh yeah two and a half, two years,
0: nine months, something like that. Yeah. That's that's now so now hold on now now Jay, not now listen now. You got one of the most important jobs in the country, right? You know, you are like the acting director for Greenhouse Gas Production Fund. And yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how you fight in time, my brother. We're we going to have that. That's going to be another podcast. we going to have to figure out Because <laughs> right. you got two. You you definitely. So listen, and I like that. Because one thing we want here on The Coolest Show is care and repair and a balanced yeah. life. And Absolutely. so you're definitely doing that.
1: Man. Yeah, I mean, so, I just like you know, I gotta give a, I gotta give a shout out, Rev, because it's uh, you know, like like everything, it's not, it's um, it's it's all about the community. Um, so right. you know, my wife, my partner, like, has held us down. Um, my family has held us down in big ways to uh, to make all this possible. And so, you know, to your point about care and repair, also, you know, we all are a product of the of the people around us that are that are helping us build. So, you know, thankful for them as well. Oh man.
0: You know, I love that. And I, I was going to see, I was going to come with a, another question that, you know, I think coming up soon is the Morehouse Howard game. I'm just going to let that, I'm going to let that go. I'm just going to let that one go. That's a question. I'm just going to mark that off the list. You know, I, I know you would. We're talking, I, I, are you talking I want, about it,
1: but it's, you know, it is what it is.
0: <laughs> for folks who are listening, uh, he is a, is a proud Morehouse man. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Obviously, Rev is right. a proud Howard man. So, there you, you know, go. And, but, but we, we Black College Proud all day. That's right. Every all day, day. Every day. So, Johnny, <laughs> with that, who who is your community? You mentioned your yeah, wife. That's good. But who is your community?
1: Yeah, um, rap. I've been blessed um, to be a part of a lot of different communities uh, over the course of my life. Um, grew up in, in strong faith communities, um, as you said. Um, uh, grew up in in at the HBCU community, uh, historically black colleges and universities. Um, uh, up in the community organizing community as well. Um, um, uh, And then also part of a lot of physical communities. spent a lot of my life in in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, You know, so the South is a big part of me. Uh, Also in Washington, D.C. And so, you know, Chocolate City, uh, the capital City is also a big part of me, and those are communities. Um, I think most apropos, though, for my work, uh, the community has been uh, a community of community organizers, um, folks who are trying to build the collective people power um, to move policies uh, in the direction that are necessary to deliver tangible benefits uh, to the communities that we're here to serve and and care deeply about. Um, And I'm thankful and grateful to have you ever work in this administration with a bunch of other organizers. You had had Shalanda Baker on here, potent, potent organizer, um, uh, and folks who uh, have been really successful over the last... Uh, five years and more directly in the last two years of of trying to put in place the policies to help us deal with this climate crisis. Um, uh, But I see myself as a a part of a lot of different communities and those communities uh, animate me and inform my work um, and and they, you know, bless
0: me every day. If you had to do a temperature check, um, how is the movement, the climate movement, and what would be your role in that movement? Yeah,
1: um, I was watching the um, I was watching the, the the U.S. Open, and I saw the, the climate protest during the U.S. Open. I think the movement is active, um, and that's on all sides. That's from um, you know organizers who are building power in institutions all across the country, activists who are who are using direct action to move um, and shift the conversation in powerful ways. Folks like myself right now who are in policy, who are trying to make sure we instantiate the inputs we're getting from the folks on the ground. I think it's very active and dynamic and healthy. I feel like it also has a really powerful uh, sense of urgency, um, which Mm -hmm. is, I think, uh, is is in large part uh, due to the work of the folks on the ground who push really hard to say that not only do we have to solve the climate crisis, um, but we have to solve it in a way that does not repeat the mistakes of our prior economic systems. In fact, delivers benefits to first and foremost the communities that we've been typically left behind, um, and I think we're in a very healthy dynamic space right now. Um, it was interesting. I was talking to my I was talking to one of my family members watching the watching the U.S. Open with me, and, and uh, when the protests happened and like disrupted the match, he was like, "Oh, those are your people." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, well, not exactly, but you know, I was like, yeah, those that are that's the that's the that's the that's the space, um, and it's resonant, and folks understand what we're we're trying to accomplish here." Um, I see my role in this space um, as, as as one who uh, is bridging this organizing policy uh, uh, gap um, who's helping to translate a lot of the work that's been done over the last you know frankly 60 or 70 years around economic yeah. justice economic development yeah. um, community development um, and bridging it into this conversation about the massive amount of investment that he's been made to combat the existential crisis um, that is climate change. Um, and so I see myself as, as someone who's helping to tie together those two thoughts uh, and deliver concrete um, programs and policies that actually make those values, you know, give those values legs and feet to walk out in the world. Um, and and most, most recently, that's been through the Greenhouse Gas Production Fund, which, which I lead um, at the EPA.
0: Yeah, no, we're going to get into that, and we're going to, I want. I want to get into obviously this year' profound background in climate finance and your knowledge in that. I want to stick yep, here yep. though on you, around what happened. So, folks who are listening, there was there's a U.S. Open. Shout out Coco Golf, who was actually one of the folks who was playing, and actually was actually playing in the match that we're talking about. And uh, there was some climate protesters who. Begin to just break it up. Reason for this, for real reasons, is that a lot of these, um, these matches, um, you know, that are going on, particularly athletic sports events, are giving cover in some cases, and they're giving social license to the fossil fuel industry in ways because they're obviously sponsoring these things. People see it; they say, "Oh, it can't be that bad." They sponsor this, they sponsored that, and so then people don't don't they look at it in a bad way. So the protesters are in essence protesting that that you're giving that they're giving social license. In doing so, they one of the protesters uh, glued their bare feet to the concrete, and so so they could not be removed easily, and then so that obviously delayed the match. But in that, um, you know, one of the things here that people who were there, who may have been allies, may not—I don't know—they began to boo. In other words, the protesters became the enemy, and then. You know you mentioned that you mentioned you know those are my people that say, but you know they're there they're part of the movement, and you you clarified that, but since we're in this this moment of an inside outside approach, does that actually help you because there are a lot of young people who are listening, a lot of folks who are doing activism and they they, they want to know, does that actually help you by the protests like that that went on, or would you want to see a different way
1: mm-hmm. That's profound. Um, look, well, the 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 movement philosophy that I was brought up in, um, the community organizing philosophies I was brought up in, always said that movements are multifaceted. Um, there is there there are many different um, ways for folks to engage in um, moving this project we call a country or community forward, um, and that those those ways. Um, are valid and effective um, uh, at different points in time. Um, To young people, I would say continue to put the pressure on. Um, We are here in this moment talking about the largest climate investment in this country's history because of the pressure that young people put on throughout the course of the last decade. Um, we're, We're in this moment talking about climate justice Mm. at the center of that investment because of the pressure that young people have put on. Um and so I would say like to everyone, you know, continue to push. Um Mm. and and because there's there's the 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 moment is here, you know? Um Mm. the the urgency is now. Um it's not a it's not a time where we can we can hold on and wait and like just give give us some time we'll get to it. Like we're all, we all need to go as fast as humanly possible to solve this human-made crisis. Um, so continue to push, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of different tactics that folks want to use. And I don't know that I have like a particular view on whether one go one way or another way, but I think this collective push is what's brought us to this moment. And, and again, I root that collective push in the last decade, but also in the last generations of organizations that have happened um, on, on everything from, from civil rights and economic justice now to climate justice um and, and combating you know climate change. Mm, that's good. What is climate finance? Yeah, climate finance, um, you know, when you throw finance on th- something, it always elicits an interesting reaction. It feels distinct from from people. It's like, oh, I don't do finance, you know, I do my finances, you know, from time to time. When I, you know, like it's a it's there's a there's a gap that's opened up. I think, you know, it's actually a fairly simple concept. When you, you know, we have we have this issue called climate change to combat both the causes, so the emissions uh, that, that are causing climate change, and also the impacts, the extreme weather, heat, flooding, et cetera. We need to make investments, physical investments in the physical world. Build bridges, put in place clean energy technologies, you know, you know, levy systems, like you have to build things. The way our system is structured, those things require resources. We know that those are trillions of dollars of resources, unprecedented mm-hmm. amounts of resources need to flow into these into deployment of these different technologies to, to mitigate both the, the, the causes of climate change and the impacts of climate change. Uh, climate finance, or as I like to talk about it, as climate investment is a process of figuring out how do we accelerate the deployment of those resources that are necessary to get those projects into, into, into existence. Um, what I'm particularly um, focused on in my role in the administration is how we use public funds to cause additional investment from other segments of our society. We as the, we as the public, we as the, we as the federal government, we as you know state, local governments, we have resources, but they are not the entirety of the resources that are necessary to be deployed to meet the, meet the, meet the need of investment needs. So our job is to use our, our investment as, ca- as a catalyst, to be catalytic, to draw in additional additional capital that then can create these projects. So climate finance in the word, is like, how do we, for me at least, is how do we use these public resources that we've been entrusted with to catalyze additional investments that help us approximate the scale of investment that's needed to combat these crises? Um, and so it's, it's all about moving the resources um, that we have under our control as a public as public um, as public officials um, in ways that that deliver more resources that deliver real tangible projects to people and communities.
0: You, you mentioned when you put finance on anything, uh, particularly in this situation climate, and there was there was a little bit of a pause there. I'm just trying to I want to make sure, and I I believe I understand why, but I want our listeners to understand because it, is it because there's a disconnect that there's an understanding of what that connection is within the larger community? Or is it just that there's a lack of trust? Because obviously you're talking about a, sometimes a capitalistic process that is always looking to extract. And so we're going from one extractive system to another extractive system.
1: What what, what was it. your policy when
0: you mentioned I
1: it's interesting. And my pause was for, for a slightly different reason. I was thinking back, like, um, so I spent part of my life in Hyattsville, Maryland, so right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, shout out, and High- we lived in a house, you know, shout out to Hyattsville, shout, shout out to PG County. Um, so we lived in a house uh, that had a fuel oil boiler in the basement, right? So, like, so in the blizzard of 96, folks who are from this area, you remember the blizzard of 96. I remember we ran out of fuel oil.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and I just remember in that moment, um, we were we were trying to get fuel oil into the basement to to have cut this thing on so that we could you know like not to be in the cold in this blizzard everything was shut down it was six feet of snow. Um, we weren't thinking about this from a climate finance perspective. It wasn't like a oh how do we like you know you know our our, our concern was the immediate that's in front of us. How do we heat our home? And I think that's what so many of our folks are concerned. The mechanisms of like oh, if you use this capital structure, you can create this type of product that then delivers this type of technology to this place. Like, I think that a lot of our folks are, are just really concerned about, you know, how can I heat my home most effectively? How can I do that in a way that lowers costs? How can I do that in a way that doesn't give my child asthma? Like, that's where people are like, that's where we are. Because there's folk well, got a lot of other things to think about. Because in addition to climate, they got to think about childcare, they got to think about food, they got to think about wages. It's like, and so I think in some ways, like, there, there, are some, there are some very real discussions we should have about the different, um, the different cuts on climate finance that exists and the way that finance can be used to promote or, or, or subvert um, the equitable deployment of capital. But I also think sometimes it becomes uh, this other, this, this, this intermediating step that's kind of like that people are, most people are not dealing with. Most people are just trying to figure out how you, the water, the boiler, the the, the, the hot water heater broke, your kids at school, you need a new hot water heater in before it's bath time at Like climate finance is not what's coming to your mind. You're trying to figure out how do I get that piece of technology to my home as quickly as possible, as cheaply as possible. Um, and so I think, I think also as, as climate finance becomes like a little bit of a stumbling block to what the real issue is, which is how are we lowering people's costs, how we lowering their exposure to particular matter that causes asthma, how we improving their quality of life. Um, and that's what people are really concerned about. My work is an input into that. My work is supposed to be the invisible bridge behind that in some ways. Um, and so that's, that, that, was, that was where my, my head was. It was like, yeah. this, this, there's this concept, but like really what we're trying to get to is like how do we deliver tangible benefits to these people and communities that we're here to serve? And that's what we really need to be. That's what we really want to focus
0: on. Well, that goes right into this. Then, what is the greenhouse gas reduction fund?
1: Yeah, yeah. The greenhouse gas reduction fund is a really interesting, um, a really interesting tool in the in the I reduction. We're in, I know
0: that. Well, we listen to this all around the country, and I know we're sometimes in D.C. we give it acronyms. So, is it GRIP yeah. or GRF? Yeah.
1: Ooh, Griff is actually cool. I didn't even think about that. But it's like a Griff. You know nice. what I mean? I had to give <laughs> a little bit of love, did I? <laughs> I knew I didn't even pick figure one out. Um, <laughs> um it's the it's the GG, the GGRF is the acronym. Um, but like zoom out for a second. Inflation mm-hmm. reduction act, you know, again, like like talking about things that people, you know people concerned about the kitchen table we're talking about these pieces of policy you know inflation reduction act big big piece of legislation passed last summer a year ago a little bit over a year ago at this point um that provides a, a ton of different tools to combat climate change and promote climate climate finance and climate investment the largest non-tax investment so the largest investment in that bill that's not coming through the tax code uh, as a single program is the greenhouse gas reduction fund And what it is is a $27 billion program placed at EPA with the objective of promoting the deployment of clean technologies uh, into communities across the country, but particularly those communities who have historically been left behind. Um, We can get into the mechanics of it, there's three different competitions, but the idea here is is really ties into that, that that conversation we just had about climate finance and climate investment. The idea here is how do we use $27 billion of public capital To create multiples more of public, philanthropic, private capital that can go into projects and communities that deliver tangible benefits to real people over the next five to seven years, like quickly, like how do we use this money? Um, And so a lot of my work over the last year has been structuring this program in such a way that it pulls the different levers that we have as a federal government, that it prods different segments of of the market, the, the broader financial ecosystem, uh, to get them to invest in projects in communities that have typically not seen that investment. Um, so in a nutshell, that's that's what that's what the GGRF is. Like I said, we can drill down into the different components and 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 the different competitions and how they work. But the idea is here is to take $27 billion, build an infrastructure that can draw in more money and turn those resources into projects and communities that that lowers people's energy bills, reduces their exposure to asthma, protects us all from climate change. So I want to dig into
0: it a little bit. I mean, I think it's one, because anytime we start throwing on the B number, the B word (laughs) for the B B number, um, I think it's important for our community to understand that. So I do want to get into two parts of that. I want to get get into into one, how do our folks obviously access the GGRF yep. funding, right yep. now in the future, and I want you yep. to not skip over those three parts. I kind of want you to kind of dig into those three parts, and just take okay. your time. That's
1: with good. That. That's good. Let's 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 work through it. So, um, twenty-seven billion dollars is functionally built up into into two components. Um, there's a seven billion dollar component, a twenty billion dollar. Well, let me talk about the seven billion first. Um, we know that one of the ways. That we can transition um, more of our energy system to clean energy, um, make people's homes resilient to extreme weather events, lower people's home electricity costs, um, create a bunch of green jobs, you know, build a bunch of domestic industries, et cetera, um, mm. is by deploying residential and residential serving solar technologies. Commercialized technology works incredibly well, has worked well for decades at this point, Um, incredibly effective, cost effective almost everywhere in the country, has all the benefits I talked about. What we've seen, though, historically is like low income and and traditionally um, underserved communities have not had access to this technology. You look at the records of who accesses the investment tax credit for solar. It's not in the communities that can actually use it most. We have Shalanda Baker on here. I'm sure she talked to you all about energy justice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. about the percentage of folks' income um, that that in, in, in poor and black and brown and low-income and rural and energy communities folks spend on energy costs. We know this technology is really potent. This $7 billion is intended to provide grants to states, tribes, municipalities, nonprofits to stand up solar deployment programs in low-income and disadvantaged communities across the country. Um, and what that means is tackling the workforce issues, tackling the regulatory ba- barriers, tackling the cost barriers that prevent folks in every single community of this country from saying, you know what, I'd like to generate part of my electricity on my home from the sun. I'd like to have the, the electricity come into my apartment from the sun and, and to make that a reality for this folks. So it's this like fundamental idea of like changing the, the, environment, the environment on the ground for the deployment of these technologies that work really well. Mm. That, like I said, that $7 billion will flow through to states, tribes, territories, um, municipalities, and nonprofit entities. Those entities will work with the Environmental Protection Agency to design programs that deploy those technologies into low-income and dis... 100% of that $7 billion has to go into low-income and disadvantaged communities um, by statute. So this is a massive, unprecedented infusion of capital into generation, near wow. people's homes of, of low-cost, clean energy. That's the, that's the $7 billion part. It's called Solar for All, um, and, um, and we're really proud of it. Um, we we released, um, we released the, the notice of funding opportunity for those states, tribes, territories, municipalities to apply for that funding uh, about eight weeks ago. So far, we've heard from over 270 um, uh, different distinct entities who are planning to come in and apply for this funding. To, to help set up these, these, these solar deployment programs across the country. So if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, okay, that's amazing. What does that mean for me? I want solar on my roof. Well, that means that, you know, in nine to 12 months from now, where you live, there will be somebody who has a chunk of EPA money to make sure that solar gets onto your roof. And you should stay close with us, um, epa.gov backslash UTRF. To find out who those people are, and then make sure you're feeding into those programs to, to get to get 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 your access to to clean local, um clean clean energy generation. That's, That's the seven billion part of, it, of the of the twenty seven billion. The twenty billion part of it um, uh is is uh, is is designed to create to solve a slightly different problem, which is access to capital. Um, we know that across this country, there are communities. Uh, municipalities, you know, state and local governments, uh, non-profit agencies, uh, small businesses who want to deploy clean technologies, but when they go show up at the bank and ask for a loan, that doesn't really work. You know, we don't understand that technology. We can't underwrite it. You come from a community that we're not really, we're not really sure about, we're not really comfortable. You have a FICO score that's not super appealing to us. Um, And as a result, They can't access these technologies that folks who are wealthier uh, and more, you know, in in other parts of the country that they can access. This $20 billion is to create a national network of nonprofit financial institutions who will provide access to capital to communities all across the country to be able to draw down typically the debt capital, the loans that they need to finance these projects. We know about clean technology. One of the cool things about clean technology is they actually generate value. when you are, when you put solar on your roof, the cost of that electricity is typically cheaper than the cost of electricity you have to buy from somewhere else. Right. That delta is value. When you put in a heat pump, the reduction in the cost that you see versus purchasing, you know, coal, you know whatever, coal-generated energy, natural gas, that reduction is, is value. These projects have value that actually can be monetized over time. These projects pay for themselves over time. Um, this, this national nonprofit financing network is intended to be the tool that, to, to bring those, that value backwards so that people can actually install the projects now, get the loans to realize the value over time, and we get, the, we get the greenhouse gas reduction benefits as well. That 20 billion is broken up into two separate programs, which you'll hear a lot about. One is the National Clean Investment Fund, one is the Clean Communities Investment Accelerator. And they're, they're intended to build this network in, in slightly different ways. The National Clean Investment Fund uh, is a $14 billion competition It will identify two to three national nonprofit financial institutions that will be out in the world with capital at scale to help do the big community scale projects that are necessary to decarbonize. think, you know, grid scale storage, EV charging infrastructure, uh, multifamily building decarbonization, community facility decarbonization and others. These are big projects that we know need to be done. um, And then right now, there's not like a persistent, consistent source of capital that's available for And those institutions will be nonprofit institutions accountable to EPA and the public and charged with solely investing in clean technologies and deploying that capital. They also are required to deploy at least 40% of their investment in low income and disadvantaged communities. So out here with a big pool of capital to deploy into communities Mm -hmm. and a mandate that it goes into the places that don't see it. The second part is the $6 billion Clean Communities Investment Accelerator this part, which is, I think, is really is a really interesting, exciting part. In communities across this country today, there are community lenders, CDFIs, green banks, housing finance agencies, um, and numerous other entities that are actively lending into communities. This six billion dollars intended to give those institutions, those hundreds of institutions, the resources they need to get into the folks green listening. Game. The CDFIs. Community, oh, community development financial institutions,
0: in, in, in NBI's. Just break it down for folks who just
1: yeah. The community development financial institutions, the minority depository institutions, the housing finance agencies, the green banks, which are state, local, independent. Um, yeah. Focus. These are all we call community credit unions. These are all we call community lenders. The folks whose names you see on the you know on the on the brick and mortar buildings when you walk through the community, the ads on the bus stop. These are the institutions that are lending actively. You need you know, you need a you know, you need a loan for a new a new HVAC system, that's where we are going to go and get that $15,000 loan. Those institutions aren't lending into the green and clean space as much as they could because they don't have access to capital to do it. $6 billion to flow into those institutions, to give them the capital they need to start originating these clean projects in communities, 100% of that $6 billion will be deployed in low-income and disadvantaged communities. So 100% of that $6 billion will go to community lenders who are serving communities that have typically not had access to that capital. Um, And as a result, what you'll see, um, I think, are a couple things. One, you'll start to see a number of financial products opening up in communities where they typically don't exist, saying, hey, when you go to get that, we talked about the water heater breaking in the middle of the day, you've got to get it replaced, you show up and you say, which one do I get? Well, now the natural gas water heater and the heat pump water heater are cost competitive because there's a financial product associated with the heat pump water heater that makes it on a cost basis equivalent to buying a natural gas heater. So then you can pick the option that improves indoor air quality, keeps you away from fossil fuel, price volatility, you know, combats climate change. Um, so we'll see the origination from the ground of more projects like this. I think we'll also begin to see at the community scale, because these institutions are the ones who lend into our affordable housing infrastructure, who lend to our small businesses, um, we'll see uh, a more community scale clean energy projects as well um, that are originated by these institutions, and so you know across these three these three competitions, we think we have a scale solution that provides capital for big projects, a scale solution that provides capital into communities through the what someone described as the capillaries of, of mm-hmm. community community uh, finance, and then we have a solution for changing the market conditions for the deployment of this low cost clean energy technology. Um, and all of it's done, you know, uh, uh with a, with, with a level of funding that is unprecedented, um, in our history. Wow. Um, and we're expecting, we're expecting it to, to mobilize many multiples of, of the $27 billion that we put in and that folks will, will very quickly begin to see, um, uh, opportunities to do real projects in their communities. Yeah, no, this
0: is, this is, this is game changing and in the crisis uh life-changing um and so it is powerful um you are in in an amazing position i think that things that come to me i know at the hip-hop caucus we have a um a strong economic justice that goes along with our climate justice uh portfolio and work and in that we have a campaign that's called bank black and green and so (laughs) i I guess i'm just wondering here within what particularly the, the last phase of that, that pot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what role was there particularly for the minority and black community banks, but also just in general, I know you've been spending a, a, a good deal of time listening to the community and the public. And yeah. I guess, what are the arguments that you've heard for the MBIs and CDF institutions to fund innovation?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the short answer there is, is a huge role for these institutions to play. Um, as you said, we're in a crisis. Um, and when you're in a crisis, and we're in a crisis that calls the deployment of large amounts of capital into projects, in a, you know, across this massive country, and quite frankly, you know, talking outside of GGRF, across the world, um, we need to mobilize every single piece of infrastructure that we have. Um, to deliver, to deliver that. and that's just on the climate side. When you talk about the equitable and just side, well we need to mobilize the pieces of infrastructure that actually have roots and inroads and relationships with the communities who have typically not had access to these resources. Mm. Um, when you look at CDFIs, when you look at create credit community development financial institutions, when you look at credit unions, we look at minority depository institutions, um, uh, when you look at community development organizations more broadly, Those institutions fit the bill. You know, they are the institutions that have the relationships on the ground. They are the ones who people are bringing their projects to um, for funding and financing. So it's a massive, massive role for those institutions to play um, in this process. And that's why we, you know, deliberately created a $6 billion pool of funding to mainline into those institutions um, so that they will have the capital to actually deploy out mm. um, into the world. That's our that's our vote of confidence in that infrastructure and what it and what it and what it can do. Um, and I think you know institutions um, that are led by uh, people of color, uh, institutions that are led by folks from the communities that they serve, are incredibly important. And this goes to your, your point about you know um, you know this next phase not being extractive. It's really important, and we hear and I heard over and over again. You know, we did we did. Dozens of hours of community roundtables. Listen, I read thousands of pages of comments about how to spend this money because it's a big, it's a big pool of money. We need to get it right. Um, and, and what we hear time and again is like folks want to see this investment happen where they are with people who are from where they are, so that it it doesn't just solve this one isolated problem of climate. It also helps to change the conversation in their community about the future trajectory of the community, what industries are available to their community, what wealth creation looks like in their community, what businesses mm-hmm. thrive in their community. Um, and so this is a this is this is an investment in a tech, in a set of technologies. It's also intended to be investment in places, in people, in places um, that have historically in our country not been um, not not seen the level of investment that they deserve. Um, and so so these MDIs The minority depository institutions, the CDFIs, the credit unions, they have a huge role to play in in climate finance and climate investment over the next five to seven years as we head towards our our, our 2030 milestones of of decarbonizing. Um, And and they they will play a big role as well in the deployment of greenhouse gas reduction funds.
0: Now, now Jahi, you know, I'm 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 a climate fighter now. You know me. I'm out there in those streets. And and the streets, Indeed. but I'm, I'm yeah, you know I'm yeah, out the there streets fighting and the streets. Amen. <laughs> fighting a good fight. So I, I want to know what, if anything, does the GGRF uh, do to fight coal, oil, and gas corruption?
1: That's a big. That's a big. Um. That's a big question. I would I, say I I the impact.
0: To, got, I, I wait. I wait to get all the nuts and bolts out the way if I can bring that one into the. Room.
1: Kenji said, "Look, he said, let's 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 set the table, and then we can put then we can put something in the center of it. Um, look, the, the GDRF is designed, and like many of the policies in the Inflation Reduction Act are designed to push forward the technologies that we know are most beneficial to people right now. Like the reality is." On a cost basis, it's better <laughs> to put solar on your roof than to pay for it that's being generated by a coal power plant. Like, that's facts. Um, mm-hmm. And so we understand the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund as providing the resources to allow these common-sense transactions, these common-sense projects to de- be deployed in places all across the country. And we've deliberately designed the structure of what's an investable project to make sure that we are leaning into those technologies that are necessary for our collective decarbonization, our collective climate justice um, uh, pathways. Um, And so, you know, I see the GGRF as a very powerful lever um, to make sure that when we come to the question of whether we create the next power plant there's a real conversation about the cost effectiveness given the current construction of the distribution grid that it intends to serve. Because if that distribution grid already has storage, if it already has a bunch of renewables on it, if people have already, already using the charging infrastructure, well, let's talk about what's, what's cost competitive within that context. I also think, and this is like, this is shifting to my, my old, my old white house hat a little bit. Um, Okay. You know, this is not a, you know, the GGRF doesn't exist in isolation.
0: The climate investment agenda doesn't exist in isolation. I'm with you 100%. And with that, since you mentioned your former hat, you know, I like wearing hats. So, since you brought in your former hat, I like, you got you got great hats. So, I need to get yeah, a hat I appreciate- from this, oh, this man. show. Right. I need, I, I need I, a, well, I'm gonna get your dad hat, you know what I'm saying? I gotta get your dad there hat. You, there I, you go. I like that. I like that. That's what we, we gotta get that one for you, you know what I mean? Um. <laughs> Then definitely I get you a hip-hop caucus one. Well, it might not be some slogan. Maybe should up hip-hop caucus that hat, too. <laughs> I, love <laughs> so I, love I, I love it. I love it. I love pushing the strollers out there. get you out there rocking that one. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, this time always goes by so fast. It's amazing it how quick this... flew Yeah. That's why it's, just, that's why it's the coolest show. That's why yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we are now considered one I of the best. I love it. I love environment it. Environment Justice. Shows in, in, the, in the land. So, and I appreciate right. that from this, is all our listeners, you, you made that happen. I want to thank you, our listeners, our great producers, Tamara and Cross, Destiny, and our whole team at Hip Hop Caucus. Um, I, I want to kind of get into just a couple questions that digging yeah. for you, right? I want to just, I want to, this is, this is now Jahi Wise, the person, the human okay. being, right? I want to get into your you. humanity. As we we get into this and you, your humanity, obviously as a, as a person of color, a a black man who was in these spaces. Um, One $27 billion (laughs) is some real money, right? Like real money and moving it is a real mandate. um, what challenges do you face as a black man leading this work
1: yeah it's a good it's a good question um i think there's a couple a couple challenges um that maybe are unique to me um but also are, are like endemic to doing this work um uh i think first um And I'll speak broadly and and then go deeply, go, go in, go inward. First is just implementation. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it cuts for me because of where I come from. Um, You know, I'm, I'm accountable to the communities that I come out of. You know, you said we are communities. Well, you know, those, those places, those communities of faith, those HBCUs, those, those, those cities, those places, those, I'm accountable to those places. We don't get this right. (laughs) Those places suffer, you know? Um, and so the implementation of this program is really, these programs generally are really important for us. We've also asked people to invest a lot in in, um, in believing in our ability to implement against these objectives. You know, like we, we've asked folks to, to believe in um, not only our administration, but this, you know, this this whole movement um, and that we can use uh, the tools that we have to, to deliver tangible benefits to them. And so I feel that way um, with me every day, um, to, 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 to make good on the promises we've made in a variety of different settings and to deliver real stuff to people. Um, and I, I know just, just from who I am and where I come from, I feel that on me. Um, mm. and I don't, I don't see this as a challenge. It's just a, it's a, it's a real part of, of doing this work and occupying the spaces, um, that we occupy, I think, and one thing I'm I'm really proud of with this this administration and this leadership, um, you know, it's always it's always a push to make sure that you know in the fight of politics that the 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 values of the folks who are most disadvantaged don't get the equ their equities don't get left behind. Um, um, you know you 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 know we never get everything we want in these types of when you when you use these political means to policy means to, to advance causes and so things fall out. Making sure that we protect the communities that were often the most disempowered is um, is a really important important task. And so, like making sure that we kept Justice 40 in the on the climate agenda, making sure that we were able to allocate over you know kind of across all three programs over seventy percent of these funds to low income and disadvantaged communities, and protecting that um, is another like thing that I feel very you know deeply inside of myself. Um, Given the communities that I'm a, I'm a part of and, and who I'm accountable to, um, and then I think it's also like uh, the the last thing I'll I'll um I'll talk about is is the thing that weighs on me is is just the urgency, um, you know you know it's hot today, yeah. It's, it's been hot today. for two months. You not know the wild, the wildfire <laughs> smokes is is hitting hitting right now. The storms is hitting right now. And so, when I go to a community, I go to Dorchester, I go to Houston, I go to philly, um, you know, we go to Atlanta, people are like, "This is all very good, but I only really have twelve months like do you can you what can you do now um and that again, like the sense of urgency is I think something I know you feel this too like that 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 push that drives us that has to drive us forward. Um, and that's, I think also something that's unique to where the, the communities I'm accountable to, because these, you know, it's not, these are not just faces in a, in a crowd. This is like, this is my family, you know, in Atlanta, these are, mm. these are people, you know, my mom's air conditioner might break, you know, you know, <laughs> a couple of times the summer. And like, what does that mean when, the, when the heat index is, you know, 98, 102. So like those pieces of it also weigh on me and animate me and again, push me forward, make this work really real and tangible. And make me get up every day and think about, like, yo, how do we make sure we don't mess this, we don't miss this opportunity? How do we make sure we don't miss fire on the implementation of these resources? Um, so it's a, it's a real, it's a, I think it's a you know you you know HBCUs is the it's the is the burden and it's the blessing. You know, it's a blessing to be anchored in, in a way to these places and to the to our identities, um, and it, it 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 helps to animate and give texture to our work. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful for it. No, that's
0: amazing. I just got like one last question and I want people to know how they can follow and support you about it. My last question really is an opportunity to you to really speak to those who are listening. But I actually want you to kind of speak to one, your two and a half year old, two year old. <laughs> and Oh, wow. Your un- and your unborn child at this point. And we, the producers have always made it Thing that we are creating an archive um, yeah. here. We've had, obviously, like you mentioned, Chalonda Baker. We've had Michael Reagan. We've had this. We've had Doctor Wright, Doctor Bullard. I mean, you, you name it. So there is also an EJ Climate Justice Archive that the Coolest Show is yeah. clearly creating over now hundreds of interviews of people within our movement. You well, are a part of that. Um, well But I, I want, I want you to speak. To them, actually, because I'm a dad and I'm a dad's dad, and I know how I get around that. I want you to speak to them so that <laughs> when they see this, they can listen to what your vision of the future is. Pin us that
1: picture. Wow, that's that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, for that opportunity. This is the coolest show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um to my sons. Um first thankful to the creator for sending you through to me and your mother. What a blessing you are. Um I uh, know that we are, you know, working every day to try and make the world that you deserve to have uh manifest. Um know that we feel deep, you know, sorrow for the ways in which the world won't be the same as what we experience when you come to experience that world, um, uh, but know that you always have the arms and the legs um, to continue to push this this whole process forward. Um, um, my vision of the world when you are, you know, my age, is a world where we've we've overcome um, uh, the incumbent biases and structures that not only you know put us on the trajectory to planetary level destruction, but also that have, you know, in many, in many small ways across history, have like put us at odds with our fellow human beings. And that we have created a structure um, and you've inherited a structure where we faced up to this challenge and we've begun to overcome it. And in the process create a system um, that allows you and people like you and people not like you to flourish in their fullness on this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful planet. Um, uh, you know, I hope, I hope you uh, you all are into something really beautiful and into creating beautiful things and arts and literature and I hope there's space and time and um, life uh, for you to enjoy that aspect of our humanity um, and that, you know, the crisis has began to wane and, and we're entering a new chapter.
0: Hmm. Ashe, how can people follow and support you?
1: Um, epa.gov backslash GGRF is our website. That's the repository of everything that um, about our programs. There's pages for every competition, information on like weekly on what we're doing. Um, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest person on social media, but you know, I try to post things on my LinkedIn every so often. Um, but you know, hit hit, hit us up through the hit me up through the GGRF channel and I'll, I'll always try and get back to you all. Um, we need to build, you know, we need to build like like what I said, the, the climate investment is a step along the path. The money is useful, the money is also not the end. The end is the projects, the end is the energy savings, the end is the air quality, the end is the Protection against the heat and the wildfire, like that's what the end goal is. And so, I just encourage everybody to be in the in the in the mind of building this new this new existence that we want on a very tangible physical level. You know, like what can you build? What can we build in your community? Where do you have the space to put in a community solar array? Where can you change the way the energy is stored on the distribution grid where you live? Like, because because we 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 put we're putting a lot of resources out. Those resources need to find their way to physical projects, and um, that's where that's where we're that's where that's going to be the work of of the next the next decade. And so, I'm looking forward to building with all of you for as long as as long as I'm I'm privileged to do this work.
0: And that's our guest today, That is Jahi Weiss, Acting Director for Greenhouse Gas Production Fund and Senior Advisor to the Administration. And I am Raviya, with your host of the coolest show. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and
1: all power to repeat. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.